This is Very Public Affairs, the podcast of the Centre for Corporate Public Affairs. Here's your host. Hi, and welcome to this episode of the Very Public Affairs podcast. I'm Cameron Chu, Analyst at the Centre for Corporate Public Affairs, and today I'm with Geoffrey Watson SC, a barrister, a former counsel assisting New South Wales ICAC and the Police Integrity Commissioner, and a director at the Centre for Public Integrity. Hi, Geoffrey. Hi. To start with, what moved you and your colleagues to establish the Centre for Public Integrity? Well, quite a few of us have been working in the integrity area for some time. The uh, people who really kicked it off included David Ipp, who unfortunately passed away last year, Tony Fitzgerald, famous integrity campaigner from Queensland, Stephen Charles, former Court of Appeal judge from Victoria, who had been the original advisor on setting up their integrity agency, IBAC, Professor Williams from the University of New South Wales, Professor Juchong Tam, who is an absolute gun, Australia's leading expert on election funding. We set it up because we thought that there was a gap in some areas relating to, well, I'll say integrity, transparency, accountability. If you were to issue a report card, what grade would you give to public transparency in Australia, including an executive government? Well, I'm afraid it's going downhill. Australia is measured, as against the rest of the world, by Transparency International. It's a great organisation and it measures where different countries rank in terms of integrity issues. And if you look at Transparency International's rating, Australia's been on the slide for decades, but it's been pretty sharp of late, so that I think we're now rated 14. It might sound as though it's good, but it's not. We used to be in the top three. And what really gets under my skin is the fact that the ranking champion and the country that wins it year in, year out is New Zealand. And putting aside our rugby differences, I love New Zealand, but I envy what they're doing. It's working well there. And meanwhile, we're going down. I feel disappointment at that. There have been some extraordinary powers exerted by and legislated to the executive arm of governments during the COVID-19 pandemic. What is your view on these powers remaining on the books once pandemic recovery is well and truly underway? Well, you may know, if you look at the Centre for Public Integrity, we are confining ourselves to four objectives. And one of them is actually trying to put a limit on the use of executive power. I'll explain what I mean by that. Instead of putting things through the parliament where people can look at it and debate the terms of it, a lot of our governing is currently conducted by the executive through the passage of regulations which aren't filtered through parliament. And we've just watched with some growing disquiet the expansion of that area. Some people would strongly favour it. I think that it's anti-democratic, frankly, because we've got a parliament, it's to look at the laws. We've been working very hard on that. We worked in combination at the centre with the Victorian government in recrafting theirs. You'll remember that there was a great controversy over theirs, and now it's it's settled and it's acceptable. I must say, some of our members, our newest director, Professor Appleby from the University of New South Wales, she worked very closely with the Victorian government on that. Look, in short, Cameron, we don't like it because, again, it lacks transparency. There appears to be broad community support for a robust National Integrity Commission, but a reluctance among many parliamentarians in the Coalition and the Labor Party to legislate for such a commission. Why do you think there is that reluctance, and what may be fueling it? Well, I should say this. We've spoken over and over. I've personally spoken to many politicians about it. Strangely enough, uh, there's a lot of support for it, in the Liberal Party, but they can't speak up. They can't speak against the party room. But I've spoken to individuals who strongly support it. And you may have seen some evidence of that in recent times. Meanwhile, in the Labor Party, 
the Labor Party is going to the next election with a promise to introduce an independent and robust National Integrity Commission. And so we're very happy with that. Cameron, at the Centre for Public Integrity, we actually see that as being a battle which is, which is over. It's either been won or lost. I can't tell you whether we won or whether we lost until I see the election results. But we expect that Labor will introduce uh, an appropriate National Integrity Commission. I'm afraid the Coalition's already shown that it will not do so. And that's even if they promise to do so, they haven't done so. So we won't get one from them. You ask, why are people opposed to it? I guess the deepest, darkest cynic in me will tell you that it's because they're scared of what it might expose of their previous conduct. And politicians hate somebody looking over their shoulder, which is one of the reasons why we strongly support a National Integrity Commission to do just that. Look, there's also a bit of a misunderstanding about what a National Integrity Commission would do. 50% of the work of such a commission is actually consultative and educative so that it designs systems, so that bureaucrats can avoid getting themselves into conflicts of interest and provide tender systems and processes which are open and uh, which are credible publicly. So actually, we see that a National Integrity Commission is an ally of good government, not an enemy. You are listening to a podcast from the Centre for Corporate Public Affairs, a membership-based organisation comprising companies, industry associations and government departments across Asia-Pacific. The Centre works with its members and other entities to apply best practice to extend their social licence to operate. The Centre develops and delivers executive education globally, conducts research and provides specialist consulting services. A primary focus of your centre is the scale and volume of donations to political parties, including for elections, as well as what you've described as the paucity of transparency around donations, including almost 50 million in hidden, untraceable funds donated to political parties in 2019-2020. What can be done to make political donations more transparent and more accountable? We've published a lot on this, and I quite frankly think this is the most important work that we do. We're trying to get the big money out of politics. Everybody knows Mr Palmer has said he's willing to spend $100 million, that means $150 million, of his own dollars on the next election campaign. We've got to get big money out of the election. Mr Palmer's obeying the rules. We've got to change the rules. What we've got to do is control that, or otherwise we're going to go the way of America. Now, this, I hope, will be the last federal election where this occurs. We've got to get rid of it. We've just got to get the money. You can do it. What you do is, first of all, you put a cap on spending. That's easily done. I might tell you right now that there's a cap on spending in Queensland, New South Wales and the ACT. You put a cap on how much can be spent in any electorate during the election and by the number of electorates that that party is running a candidate, you've got an overall cap on spending. So that's a really good start. Then we also want a cap on donations. In the centre, we've settled on the figure of $2,000. Now, me personally, I'd prefer something even smaller than that, but I'm willing to go along with the $2,000. We want people to be able to participate in the democratic process by supporting a candidate or a party. You might believe in an ideology. I don't need to agree with it, but I respect your choice to do so. And the fact is, if you want to make a contribution of that kind, then go ahead and do it in your own name. And as part of that, we say that there should be a cap. For example, if you've got $2,000 
per donation. There should be an overall cap, according to our calculation, of $5,000 to a particular political party so that you can't go around giving $2,000 to every Labor candidate or every Liberal candidate. So that's a really good way of controlling that. But Cameron, you've got to understand that it's got to be supported by other regulations. For example, there's got to be greater transparency in who's giving the money. At the moment, both political parties or both sides of politics are using vehicles so that donors can hide their involvement. They're donating the money to a third party which then makes the donation to the political party. So you just see it listed each year as being from a particular foundation, where the truth is it's coming quite often from wealthy individuals and even more often from large companies which don't want their name associated with a particular political party. Well, that's wrong. You've got to come out and do it in your own name. And what's more, we need real-time disclosure of who's donating the money. If I can get out of an Uber and be told within around about 30 seconds how much it cost me, then we can have a similar system with donations. The major political parties, Coalition and Labor, have fought that, Coalition especially, strongly. I don't know why. It's just a means of hiding who's donating. Now, Cameron, before I go to it, it's not an easy thing because you've got a situation where you've got campaigns being fought by, say, the Coalition or Labor, and they're spending a lot of money on it. But you've also got, at any election cycle, campaigns being fought by what they call third-party campaigners. Labor's got the trade unions, the coalition's got the Minerals Council, etc. So on it goes. They've got to be controlled as well. Can I tell you, that too can be done. For example, there are limits of that kind in Queensland and New South Wales. You can control them. So we can bring that down, and if you put a cap on spending and a cap on donations and you control third-party campaigners, you're just a hop, skip and a jump from stopping our election cycle going the American way and only relating to big money. And now to the final question. Is part of the challenge in improving public transparency and public accountability to do with the difficulty in convincing the government of the day that advocacy for measures like the National Integrity Commission is inherently apolitical? I can tell you that at the Centre for Public Integrity, the only time where we discuss party politics is where we openly discuss between ourselves the fact that we avoid party politics. I'm on the board with those people who I've got to know well. I would not even know for whom they voted. We rise above politics. This isn't directed against the coalition, although the coalition is the natural target of the things that we're saying at the moment because it's had government for a decade. So it's natural that we are directing things there. It's got nothing to do with that. If Labor is elected in the upcoming election, we'll be turning our sights on them and making sure that they're doing the right thing. Uh, I can tell you specifically, we will be hard on Labor if they try and introduce a National Integrity Commission, which is other than a very strong, properly funded and independent body. Geoffrey Watson, SC, thank you for your time. It's my pleasure. If you enjoyed this episode of Very Public Affairs, subscribe in iTunes and leave a review. For more, visit the Centre for Corporate Public Affairs website at www.accpa.com.au.